Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast, Ben Micellis, joined by my brothers Brett and Jordy Micellis. How you doing, fellas? Doing fantastic, everybody. I am boosted, boosted and ready to go. Got my COVID-19 booster shot on Friday afternoon. For those wondering, interested, considering getting their own booster, I got the Moderna booster. I originally got the J&J shot, got my Moderna booster, also got the flu shot at the same time, um, which the CDC says is okay and which the pharmacist said is okay. And um, feeling good now. Honestly, uh, first day over the weekend uh, was feeling relatively okay. Second day, it hit me uh, fairly hard. Uh, yesterday, uh, spent most of the day in bed having some soup and uh, just chilling, watching some movies. But today, back in action. Let's go. Ready to go, boosted, protected, ready to go out in the world, unafraid of COVID-19. Let's Congrats, go. big bro. Jordy, how was your Halloween? My Halloween was good. We had tons of trick-or-treaters here. Um, it was awesome. It's funny because a lot of people put up, you know, really spooky decorations around the neighborhood. Uh, but the scariest of them all is my Trump neighbor who kept up his Trump no more bullshit signs. Ooh, that's scary. That. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, that's that's the true. That's the true. Uh, Absolutely. Spooky, uh, decor. Absolutely. Most frightening of all. We have a great guest on the program today. Adam Parkamenko, Democratic political strategist. Adam previously ran ready for Hillary. Um, Adam previously worked with Hillary Clinton when she was a senator, when she was running for president. Um, we have that in common. I actually interned for Senator Clinton years and years ago when, when I was a college student and that she was then a Senator uh, Clinton. So we'll have that to talk about. Adam Parkamenko is a consultant to the Midas Touch pack. And we met Adam early in our growth as Midas Touch. Um, we, you know, through mutual connections, just met and uh, we actually had reached out to Adam. We had these things in common and Adam said, look, I believe in what you're doing. We think we could build this together into something special. And uh, here we are today now. It's with so wild to think about. Like at that point, like nobody wanted to take a chance on Midas Touch. Nobody believed in Midas Touch. Like our videos were doing well. We had some viral attention. We had probably, I don't know, at that point, what did we have? Like 50,000 followers or something, a sizable amount, but not like crazy. And Adam was like the one person who was like, when we reached out to him, he was like, yeah, I believe even what you guys are doing, this is dope. I want to be a part of it in any way I could help. So. I think there was two categories of people. There's probably a lot more categories, but I think it <laughs> fell into two neat categories of people who we talked to. I think there was a group of people who were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you calling yourself Midas Touch? We've never seen it done this way. Um, and we're not sure this is the way political advertising should be. And we were like, no, this is effective. This is actually working. Um, and then there was another group of people who we met with who I could tell loved the stuff that we were doing. But then when they got on the phone with us or they got on the Zooms with us, you know, I think they were surprised that we all came from these various backgrounds and professional settings. And they thought they would just be able to maybe get us to make like a video yep. for them or just mm -hmm. do things for them. And when it was obvious that, you know, ownership of the work and our strong creative vision and real like highest of highest level professionalism was key to us. You know, I think that that that's that those conversations then fell off and Adam believed in us. Adam wasn't intimidated by what we were doing and he welcomed the challenge to work with the new wave of political ad making that we were pioneering them. And I knew Adam was the guy, too, because he never once told us to change our name. Like I was gonna. I, that's so funny you brought that up. To. It's so yeah. it's so funny you brought that up because I was about to say the same thing. There was somebody. <laughs> there was somebody. Bodies. Who had, there are multiple people. Were there multiple people? Yeah. So there was somebody who we spoke to. Um, one of these, you know, consultant people who we had reached out to early on, and their whole thing was, if you ever want to succeed in politics and this business, the name Midas Touch is not going to work for you. Instead, you guys should consider maybe you guys become the fuck Trump pack. Maybe that's what you are. Maybe you're the fuck Trump pack. And we all looked at each other like that was the the corniest shit I've ever heard in my life. Absolutely not. And especially because our whole mission is far beyond Donald Trump. Our mission is saving democracy. Our mission is protecting democracy. And Trump is a symptom to the larger problem that we mm -hmm. are experiencing in this country. And we were just like, we, we left so many of these phone calls just being like, yeah, you know, I understand why Democrats have had so much trouble 
over the years. And that's why we have to pave our own lane. And man, Adam's been absolutely the best. And uh, Adam also got a lot of attention this weekend for some other things that were going on in Virginia. So definitely want to talk to him about that. And uh, really excited to have Adam on the show. I don't yeah, even know I if I'm going to be able to take attention it. for those things that were going on because Adam had nothing to do with it. But anyway, let's talk <laughs> about let's talk about Virginia and let's talk about something that we at Midas Touch have been highlighting um, with our efforts in Virginia. And that is, is that a vote for Glenn Youngkin is a vote for Trumpkin. It's a vote for a Trump acolyte. It's a vote for someone who kisses Trump's ring. And we've seen that over this weekend, especially with Donald Trump going on the Judge Janine show, talking about how he strongly, in his words, endorses Glenn Youngkin. Play the clip. If I endorse somebody, they win. If I endorse somebody, they win. Not sure. I think I'm 148 and two. That's a pretty good number. You endorsed Youngkin. And I did endorse Youngkin. And we're going to see. I hope it's not going to be three. Okay. Do you understand that? I did. I endorse him strongly. He's a good man. True. Okay. True. True. He endorses him strongly. So uh, uh, for all the... Where do you pull out the 148 number from? Dude, who the fuck knows? He's probably just taking credit for every Republican win on the planet and not the people who he actually went out and actually physically endorsed. But the fact is, every time Trump does come out and endorse somebody strongly, they lose. That has been the pattern. And we'll see if that pattern holds tomorrow in Virginia. But Trump has made no efforts to hide the fact that Yunkin is just his puppet in every single way, shape, and form. And Yunkin is terrified of this fact. And we told the story before on the podcast about our video that we were airing in Mar-a-Lago that upset Donald Trump so much that we called him out for not going to Virginia. And Trump then made an announcement saying he was going to go to Virginia. And then the Yunkin campaign freaked out and said, absolutely do not come to Virginia. We do not want to be associated with you. We want your voters. We believe in everything you say. We want to do everything that Donald Trump would do in this state, but we do not want the stench of Donald Trump on us. And so then Trump, uh, you know, stood down for a little bit, and but he just couldn't resist. And so tonight, Monday night, he is doing a, it's so embarrassing, a teller rally. So he is phoning it in, which is ironically what our ad said about Trump, that he just is phoning in these rallies. And the Yunkin campaign says that they will absolutely not be participating in this event because once again, they want to distance their association with Trump as much as possible because unlike the lies you heard from uh, Trump just now, Trump, everyone who he actually endorses loses. And you could ask Kelly Loeffler, you could ask David Perdue, you could ask that candidate in Texas, you could ask uh, Larry Elder, the list goes on and on and on. And I think Trump wanted to remind people in Georgia about what a loser he was um, by going to the Atlanta Braves game. (laughs) Uh, right. And this is another thing that he invited himself to. Yeah. He, he, tell us about that, Jordy, because there was some confusion about Trump claim that the commissioner of major league baseball invited him to Georgia, but it actually turns out that Trump invited himself. Exactly. This was actually one of the strangest things that happened over um, the last couple of days where Trump does one of his press releases or whatever, just basically saying, uh, I'm so excited. Basically, uh, on behalf of the MLB, I've accepted their invitation to show up to the World Series game tonight. Can't wait to be there. And I follow sports pretty closely. And all of a sudden, I noticed uh, a lot of Braves beat writers and stuff like that were saying, what is this guy talking about? I don't know if the team's actually invited him. And sure enough, he made it up because one of the, I think it was the team president <laughs> then had to clarify saying uh, something along the lines of, you know, we didn't invite Trump, but we're excited that he's coming. Of course, we'd be excited for a former president to come, making it very clear that the Atlanta Braves actually did not invite him there. Although I don't get why, of course, they would be willing. I guess, of course, we would have a president show up to our game, but it doesn't necessarily follow that. Of course, we want an insurrectionist. Yes. Someone who. Thanks for clarifying. So so that there was a weird part of that statement, but it was all the rage on right wing social media, on fascist social media that Donald Trump was doing the tomahawk chop. You know, they give him immense amounts of attention and credit when he accomplishes minor tasks, especially when those minor tasks are imbued with racist undertones. Yeah, that is like the biggest accomplishment Trump can make. So if you play the video, Brett, as we're talking for those watching, this is basically the accomplishment of Donald Trump um, uh, waving his hand in a tomahawk chop. And this was like, oh, yeah, he tomahawk chopped it. 
Oh, the libs are going to be so pissed. This is going to own the libs so much. It's so crazy. First off, I don't even like, you know, just Donald Trump making hand gestures like that with people around him making the same hand gesture is a very ominous, ominous sight to me just in general, given who this man is. But putting that aside, the only reason that the right wing likes this is not that, oh, look, he's supporting Georgia and he's supporting the Atlanta Braves. The only reason that they like this and are pushing this and promoting it is because they know that a... Many people consider this to be a racist gesture, and they love that Trump is doing it, and they love that there will be liberals that will be upset by him doing this. It's the only reason, because their only real ideology is pissing off the libs. Owning brothers, the libs is brothers, all they do. Brothers, brothers, I'm old enough to remember when the MLB was canceled by the right four months ago, five months <laughs> ago, when they moved the MLB All-Star game because of the voter suppression bills. Do you guys remember that? And all of a sudden, Four months later, five months later, the MLB is like, ah, not the MLB, but the people on the right are like, MLB, we love you. They're yeah, there's no, jobs, man. There's, there's no, no consistency. consistency. They create their own Thanks. realities, which is really one of the most dangerous things I think about them is that they live in a world that is completely detached from reality, like just completely detached from reality. A world where CRT is taught in public schools. It's not a world where Trump won the election, a world where the insurrection was done by Antifa and the FBI. This is the world that these people are living in. And many of them actually believe this shit. And I think one of the most illuminating things is it's, I don't think it's, it's no secret that Midas Touch runs the Truth Social account, uh, which is the parody account um, associated with the Donald Trump's uh, social media network because he was too dumb and incompetent to lock down the Twitter handle for the Truth Social. And so Midas Touch swooped in and yeah got the handle but on that handle we we follow we have a couple of good follows you know we follow clorox bleach because of course um when we follow i think ivermectin and we follow donald trump jr and uh not eric because of, no not even trump knows who eric is um but we follow a few people like that so one of the interesting and illuminating things about it though is when i'm on that account twitter pushes the algorithm at you of all that right-wing content so you're getting fed Don Jr. tweets, Dinesh D'Souza, Jack Posobiec, uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, Joe Rogan. You're getting fed just this endless bullshit, and you get to see what the right wing is talking about on a daily basis. And it's amazing how it is all just so detached from the truth. It is the very definition of disinformation, and it spreads at such a rapid pace, and they believe their own bullshit. That's one of the scariest things. And so you could see this weekend, Ben, what were the top stories in the right wing? The top story was that when uh, President Biden, after his G20 summit meeting, met with Pope Francis, the meeting was supposed to take 30 minutes, but lasted 90 minutes, according to the GQP, because President Biden pooped his pants. Um, that is actually what they were spreading as they said, rumor around Rome that Biden pooped his pants and that that led the meeting to take 60 minutes long. And this that, came from this Amy Tarkan, uh, Tarkanian. Last, Tarkanian. Her, her father was a famous basketball coach. I think Jerry Tarkanian. Who was is that a her father? Or so yeah. Related in, related in some father. way. They're, they are related. And she was the uh, previous... GOP chair of Nevada. And so she is just blatantly, you know, if you look at her Twitter feed, one of the most vile people you could see in this planet. One of the most vile, disgusting, biggest spreaders of disinformation. This woman is absolutely disgusting. And why do they spread it, Ben? Like you said, the meetings, Trump's meeting with the Pope lasted 30 minutes. President Obama's meeting with the Pope lasted a little over 50 minutes. President Biden's meeting with the Pope lasted 90 minutes. And if you look at the pictures of the presidents with the popes, I think, and I'm putting, I'll put it up right now. I think this tells you all the reason why President Biden's meeting lasted so long and why the Republican Party is freaking out about President Biden's meetings in Europe, because you could see the pure joy and happiness of the Pope with President Biden here. President Biden, of course, a devout Catholic, somebody who wears his Catholic faith on his sleeve at this incredible moment where he gets to be with the Pope and speak with the Pope about making life better for the poor, making life better for people around the world. This is a big moment 
for President Biden as a Catholic to meet with the Pope. And so they had this great, productive 90-minute meeting, and the Republicans are just so pissed, and they hate the they hate the Pope, this, these Republicans. Like, the Pope came out in favor of, like, vaccine mandates. They were like, fake Pope, fake Pope. Like, these are sick, sick people who think that they are more religious and more pious than the Pope. That's how disturbed the GQP is. You see some of these uh, anti-vaxxers uh, parading in Manhattan and they were, you know, having they had like the, the Halloween uh, Halloween as the yeah. Fauci ouchie and their Halloween costume was giving people the vaccine. How pathetic can you be? So that was one uh, that Biden pooped his pants was one of their big fake stories of the week that they were spreading. And the other one is Biden told Pope Francis a story about a major league baseball player, Satchel Page. And Biden explained that Satchel Page was an African-American baseball player who during the latter years of his career, when Satchel Page was older in age, um, he had some of the best innings and best games of his life. And Biden was analogizing Satchel Page being great at the end of his career to Biden and Pope Francis both being old um, and joking that they're really in the prime of their careers, despite being old. So that's actually the analysis of, of what took place. But for the GQP disinformation, Biden told Pope Francis that Biden was an African-American. And so the whole thing that the GQP was spreading is that Biden says he's African-American again, which is completely not true. And then they selectively edit it so that that's what it says. And then they basically pulled this disinfo um, campaign about Biden's not coherent. Yeah. And that's that's their whole thing. That's their whole strategy is to try to make it like Biden is senile. Biden is not all there. Biden doesn't know what's going on. He's really just a puppet for, I don't know, President Obama and Soros and Antifa to run the country. That's kind of their whole strategy at this point. And if you look at the clips and you could, you know, we're not going to we play the clips here, but the clips that they pulled was literally the first sentence of President <laughs> Biden saying to the Pope, there was an African-American baseball player in the United States named Satchel Page. And they pulled that short little clip and they wrote different captions on it. They literally made up the captions because it was a little hard to hear Biden over the noise of everything else going on. And they wrote, Pope, you are an African-American baseball player acting like President Biden was referring to the Pope as an African-American baseball player. And then they post that on Twitter. They post that on all their social media and they go, what did you hear what Biden said? What the hell is going on with this guy? And that's how dis disinformation is spread. And why are we bringing up these stories? Because I think we need to tell you what we're seeing in the right-wing disinformation chamber as to just what's going on and how these stories are spread. So when you hear your crazy uncle at Thanksgiving in a few weeks spouting this shit, you know exactly where it's coming from. It's why you need a Midas touch to fact check every step of the way. It's why you need the Patriot takes to fact check mm -hmm. every step of the way to show and expose what these sick fascists on the GQP on the right are doing. And this is why I'm excited to talk to Adam Parkamenko because you know, Adam Parkamenko, before even linking with Midas Touch, Adam Parkamenko was very focused on how could the Democrats be more aggressive. I think we kind of make the perfect pairing with Adam in that we've kind of collectively have helped advance a strategy of how you can expose this right wing GQP information. And that's why disinformation centers, that's why we've had great deals of success in Georgia in the election mm -hmm. of 2020. It's why we're lending as much help as we can in Virginia, why we have our canvassers knocking on Virginia, why we have text message campaigns in Virginia. And so excited to bring Adam Parkamenko on the podcast. And before bringing Adam Parkamenko in, I want to talk about Wild Alaskan. This podcast is brought to you by Wild Alaskan. When you defrost seafood, the countdown for freshness has begun. And who knows how long that fresh grocery store, and I put that in quotes, grocery store fish has been sitting out for. Wild Alaskan Company freezes their fish right after it's caught, so it's perfectly handled and delicious when you're ready to cook. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainable-sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. And Wild Alaskan Company seafood is how nature intended it to be. 
always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. And right now you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash Midas. That's wild, A-L-A-S-K-A-N company.com slash Midas for $15 off your first box wildalaskancompany.com slash Midas. Make sure to use our URL, not the Earl. Apparently you don't say Earl to <laughs> let them know that we sent you. Make sure you use wildalaskancompany.com slash Midas. And I, I can vouch for this. I give you my personal Ben endorsement that I make a bunch of seafood tacos with the wild Alaskan and it's incredible. Let's bring in Adam Parkham, Menko, political oh, strategist. Snap. Let's go. Know, you may know Adam for previously running ready for Hillary, worked with Hillary Clinton, you know, for, for years and years and years. Adam Parkham, Menko, there's probably no one more central to Midas Touch, to the podcast you're listening to, to the development of our organization than Adam. And right now, as we do this interview, he's in a car knocking on doors in Virginia to get out the vote. Appreciate that dedication. Adam Parkamenko, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Hey, thank you guys for uh, for having me. I asked if uh, this was a choice and you said you'd stop paying us. A- I didn't do it. So here we are. <laughs> exactly. So Adam, for our listeners out there who don't know about our relationship, you know, it's really fortuitous because, you know, I knew about the great work that you were, you were doing out there because I interned uh, for Hillary Clinton um, when I was working on the help, you know, years and years and years ago when I was when I was on college. And so we had all connected on Twitter, um, developed a, a friendship when Midas Touch was first starting, you know, and you had told us, hey, I think that Midas Touch and what you're doing, you're really onto something. I think that this could become even bigger than what you and your brothers are doing. So, you know, what did you see in us back then? I mean, we're talking about May of 2020 at this point. What did you see in me and my brothers back then that made you think, hey, this could be something bigger than just, you know, uh, you know, a group of brothers posting videos? Well, I mean, I think when you guys, when we first connected, I know it ended at post what November with over 500 ads. Right. But around that time, you guys had already put out a ton of them and I had kept seeing a bunch of them, but I didn't know they were you. And then I'd see one that I loved. And all of a sudden I figured out was you guys and you weren't afraid to not just weren't afraid to, but you enjoyed coloring outside the line. And, you know, we're working on the outside and, and sort of had started building this vehicle that was capturing a, an energy and excitement uh, for individuals who were, looking to, you know, fight fire with fire and hit hard and, and take a different approach. And, and, you know, while there were a number of different things that people were doing that were super helpful, there were people that wanted to fight back hard and you guys gave people that opportunity to do so. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I saw a lot in you guys, but also having uh, been involved in sort of outside entities for years, I thought there were a number of different ways that we could sort of uh, take advantage of what you guys were doing and, you know, take it to the next level and, and build out an organization that was, you know, long-term, long-lasting and doing all the things that you guys wanted to do. And did you, could you have seen though, the growth that it was going to get this big um, back then? Or are you even surprised that Midas Touch and the Midas movement has grown to uh, where it's at right now? I mean, I think the funny thing is the, the four of us all thought it could be where it's at now and more, right? But we had reached out to other people we want to get involved who all didn't believe that. And uh, a lot of those were vendors we thought, you know, would be great to work with you guys that <laughs> just passed, right? And it's now, so uh, yeah, now they say it's, you know, one of their biggest regrets. And hey, if there's ever an opportunity to get involved with Midas, we're still here. Um, so I, I think, look, I think you guys have sky's the limit. Um, but the thing is now you uh, you hit a certain number this last cycle. And, and so you got to sort of beat yourselves and con- continue to grow there. Let's talk now about strategy. Um, we've got, of course, the Virginia election coming up. You know, what always surprises me is, you know, the Republican Party at this point is pro-COVID, 
Um, they're uh, performative in the craziest ways, whether it's book burning or when they burn like the socks of uh, of Colin Kaepernick when burning you know masks. a Nike deal is announced, and the, and and they literally lie about everything, but they're really imperiling people's life and safety and security. And we see videos of what they're doing, like it's not a secret. It's not like we need to be inspector gadget here to uncover <laughs> what happened on January. <laughs> it's like what happened on January 6th. There's like video of it. Like we know the danger these people pose yet here we are in Virginia and it's close. It's a nail biter as we head into it. Why, why are these things nail biters? Is it a failure of Democrats to communicate the messages? Is it Democratic infighting? Is it Republicans are just great at lying and great messengers, all of the above? What do you think's going on here? I think, I think it's two things. One, uh, it, things always get closer as you get towards an election. Um, you know, a lot of people haven't been paying attention to this while a number of kind of folks like, you know, all of us and, and folks we tend to, uh, talk to every single day. I've been paying attention to it for a long time. Um, it's just, you know, people are actually having to go to polls tomorrow outside of the, the early voting and they have to make a decision and do this. But also Republicans are really good at what they do, even though a lot of what they do is, you know, end up uh, creating chaos and sowing, you know, uh, doubts and, and division and, you know, things like the, um, uh, the border that leads to, you know, a mass shooting in, in uh, Pennsylvania, right? So, like, the, the, the outcome of things that they do have uh, terrible impacts on all of us. But in terms of the campaigns, they have created, you know, three issues that, you know, from the, the school boards and, and other things like that, that literally are bullet points now on the stuff that they're handing out. And you go to a door and they're driving the message, even though they're made up issues. These are the things that we're talking about, right? When, when Terry goes and, and is doing an interview, is getting asked about, you know, like CRT and other things like that, where, you know, 80, uh, 80 kind of fake parents that are getting paid are showing up at places uh, because some outside organization is trying to create a ton of chaos that then turns into something at the doors. So uh, I think that's why it's close. But at the same time, um, two big things. One, uh, you know, early voting and vote by mail. These are things that Republicans attacked for years and years that they're now using and they're now pushing their voters to do. So they're eating into some of the, uh, the votes that we would typically bank up early, um, which, you know, uh, uh, still looks good, though, in terms of some of the numbers that have been coming out for Terry when early voted, voting ended on Saturday. And then, uh, you know, the, the rest is sort of just up in the air. It, it, we could wind up in a position where, you know, Terry wins by three, five, ten points and everyone comes back and says, oh, Democrats are wetting the bed. But in reality, on any given day, especially when there's polls coming out, um, that's a snapshot on that day and, and that given time. And and things do always get close, but that doesn't mean that's where it's going to wind up on Election Day. And Adam, what I love about you and for our listeners out there is that, uh, first of all, Adam is in the car right now. <laughs> I just want everybody to know that Adam is in the car because he has been knocking on doors. Really, every day I've spoken to you this week, you've been knocking on doors. How's everything looking on the ground? I think this is probably the, the this most recent weekend was the best weekend yet. Um, it's Monday, obviously, and, and we're out here today and um, nobody's home. Um, but yesterday, lots of people were home and very supportive of Terry. Uh, but no, it feels good. And it feels like people are paying attention. You know, a number of people obviously have voted early. There's a number of people um, that said that they're going to vote on Tuesday because they feel like it's their, you know, civic duty or a uh, sort of a family ritual. Um, but people are definitely tuned in and voting. And, you know, every once in a while you find somebody who's sort of uh, is less interested. But for the most part, people seem excited to get out. What were the vibes you were getting? I saw you uh, posting some videos from McAuliffe rallies over the weekend. I think people are super excited. I mean, obviously, uh, it seems like everything is super divided down the middle. You know, when you're when you're on Twitter, or you're you know watching the news. I think the media wants there to be a, a real horse race. I'm not sure that's actually what is happening here. Um, I guess we'll find out, you know, probably less than 24 hours. I think probably my biggest concern is whether or not all those ballots that got mailed in um, end up, you know, counting in time. But uh, some of that remains to be seen. And, and uh, you know, I think that people sort of will have to kind of just be cautious after 7 p.m. tomorrow when the polls close because there's a good chance some of those votes. And, you know, the Virginia or Fairfax might come in a bit later um, and it may seem like Youngkin's got some early lead. But the reality is, is, uh, the race will sort of take shape as the votes from Fairfax are counted. Now, Adam, you were at the center 
this weekend. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this. The center of a scandal this weekend. I don't know Uh-oh. what was going on, but so let's put our thoughts aside on the the Lincoln Project stunt that they pulled over the weekend with the tiki torches in front of the Glenn Youngkin bus. What I want to talk about right now is the fact that everybody on Twitter seemed to be blaming you, Adam Parkamenko, for this effort. And I have spoken to you every single day this week. We are in communicate. It's almost, it's weird for me to even be interviewing you right now, honestly, because we just speak, like, this is just so bizarre. But we speak all the time. I knew that you were just going door to door, knocking on doors, doing everything you can to get out the vote for Terry McAuliffe and Democrats up and down the ballot. And suddenly you were being accused by the right wing. You were in this disinformation echo chamber where Adam Parkamenko was the mastermind behind this whole thing. What, just break, break it down for us. What the hell happened and what kind of messages were you receiving as a result of this? I just want to like kind of let people know the danger of this disinformation and how it impacts just like an innocent person who's trying to knock yeah. on doors and get out the vote. So I was basically, I think I was in Tyson's corner. I don't know. It was like around noon, one, one thirty, <laughs> And I, my phone started like blowing up. Uh, you know, it's obviously it's busy every single day, but this was like kind of like crazy stuff. And, you know, my parents reaching out to me saying, Hey, you know, what are you doing in Virginia? And apparently (laughs) it was alleged that I had organized um, five individuals to dress up like Nazis outside of the uh, Yunkin campaign bus with tiki torches. Um, And that wasn't true. And I wasn't involved. And actually I had shared the image uh, through much of the morning when I found it on Twitter and, and saw Terry's team pushing it out because it was an outrageous image. But I had no involvement, despite the fact that there was apparently a, a thread from somebody who, um, you know, uh, writes on the right and was claiming that not only did I organize it, but they had receipts, which they he was never positive. Provided. He clearly he clearly saw it. He clearly it's one of the things we've been speaking about on this show today is this disinformation that's spread by the right. And they latch onto something as if it's fact and then they just run with it. They just run with yep. it. And it's just so crazy that you were the target of this. And it was literally like, you know, five minutes later, Ben Shapiro shared it. And it just, you know, as we know about lies and the way they travel around the world. So um, there was never anything else after, you know, the news that Lincoln Project did it that came out and said, oh, I didn't do it. Uh, despite all the reporters who reached out to me and, you know, uh, took my word and never once falsely reported any anything, they still never, you know, tweeted out that I had nothing to do with it or anything like that. So there you go. I'm still <laughs> getting people in, on Instagram and other places. And yeah, it was, it was like literally there is a Adam Smollett and a bunch of the comments and, uh, you know, someone suggesting that I should be hung and all sorts of other stuff. So that's one wonderful. They're wonderful people on, on that side. And by the way, the worst part of all of this was like there were young organizers who whose pictures were posted online who didn't look like any of the individuals in the pictures. Um, I spoke with one of them and he was like, I clearly have a much better beard. Um, and, uh, not a single one of those individuals who were doxxed and, and trolled were in that. And none of them were part of the, uh, the party or the coordinator or the Terry campaign. So I haven't seen any apologies about that either. I love that they use that as their evidence too. They go, well, they locked their profiles after, after they were caught. So they're guilty. It's like, yeah, because they were being harassed and getting death threats every three seconds. Like you would lock your profile too. If all day you were just having people tell you that they want to hang you, that they want to kill you, you would do the same exact thing. That's not guilt. That's protecting yourself and your family. Yep. It was insane and outrageous. And, uh, but anyways, you know, I, they will all go on to do great things because once you live through that once, as you guys know, the next time is much easier. Totally. Adam, why do you think, uh, why do you think Youngkin is so afraid to uh, be associated with Trump and Trump is not helping things. Trump gave a full throated endorsement of Youngkin just last night and he, they're doing this teller rally tonight, teller rally because Youngkin doesn't want him to actually show up in the state. And then Youngkin ref- is refusing to even participate in the Trump rally. I mean, Trump is wildly unpopular here, but if you think of off your elections, look back to look off your elections, but also including Trump, look back to Kentucky with Matt Bevin, where Andy Bashir is now governor of Kentucky. And that was probably one of the highest approval ratings of any state in terms of Kentucky with Trump. And Matt Bevin was, you know, a mini version of him and he lost reelection. Um, Trump, you know, obviously did not win Virginia, but Republicans have been losing ground for years and years. 
specifically, you know, in, in key areas where they need votes like uh, Prince William County and other places. So it's a huge problem. I actually, I, I was, you know, to the point where I was almost crying laughing when I saw the, uh, the, the Trump statement about coming to Arlington. I think Joe Biden won Arlington like 80 something to whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, come on, man. Like as Rachel Vindman said, you know, she'll have happily pick him up at the airport, despite what he uh, did to her family. <laughs> hey, Adam, on a, on a much lighter note here, as Ben mentioned earlier, um, look, we've known each other now for about a year and a half, and it's been incredible. Uh, you know us better than I think most people know us. Who's your favorite Midas brother? <laughs> Brett, Brett, because I came out to California. and uh, ben... <laughs> Without hesitation. No Without hesitation. hesitation. Ben the was chat, too busy to meet. is not happy about this. Ben was too busy to meet, and uh, you live a couple hours from me, and I still never met you. So that's a good, okay. Well, well, Adam, <laughs> on the, on that note, I just want to say, man, we've known each other over a year and a half. Getting to know you has been honestly one of the highlights of my life. You are such a genuine dude. Uh, I truly consider you the fourth Midas brother. Like you are, you do the crunches, you do the work, and you do it with a great attitude. Just can't thank you enough for everything, man. So it's just been a pleasure getting to know you. And thank and you for Jordy trying to get number one. I was going to say, and I, I do a uh, second favorite brother there. I got to, I got to sharp let, elbows, let, man. Got to get all, I'm I'm all about actions, try, not just words. Yeah, let actions. me actually try to ask a question, Adam. You know, I think one of the reasons that you were possibly <laughs> this blamed is where the, for, de the deposition is beginning. <laughs> <What> if, <laughs> I think one of the reasons you were possibly blamed for what happened in Virginia, though, is because you have developed a reputation for being aggressive, though, with your, um, you know, political strategy. You know, what I like about you, though, is you're aggressive, though, but you're smart, you know, which is why I also, you know, I, I also often know when it's an Adam thing and when it's not an Adam thing by, you know, how politically savvy it is, because you are aware of the different kind of crosswinds that exist in politics and where to push and pull. But I think Democratic strategists in general for far too long have gotten railroaded by Republican strategists um, on, on all types of, you know, campaigns. You think about what happened to in swift boating, you know, with John Kerry. Um, you think about, you know, other campaigns Max, like that. Max Cleland in Georgia, which and I think so, was Rick Wilson. And so I do think, though, you come in with a new skill set um, that is kind of uniquely Parko Menkian um, for the Democratic Party. I mean, do you think that is important um, in terms of all Democratic strategists? Do you think that there's really got to be a new way of thinking to keep up with the, you know, what's going on in the digital age, um, what's going on on social media and on the streets and how people consume information to kind of rethink Democratic strategy in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely I think some of the stuff that sort of just evolves, moves on after each cycle are things that we and again, all four of us on here incidentally or accidentally run into and like, oh, that worked really well. But I think in one of the first calls that I ever had with you guys, I always said, like, our number one rule should be do no harm. Right. Which is easy to agree on. Let's like push the envelope, but let's not cause any issues for people locally, statewide, whatever we're doing. And then also. From a, uh, from a campaign finance state, uh, standpoint, because obviously we have all sorts of people that love to, you know, make false allegations and attack us. But, you know, we have, uh, we've done an incredible job um, uh, on all fronts. And so I, I think that as long as you're, you're, you're sort of thinking, do no harm, how can you push the limits in a way that uh, work with others? And then the nice thing is in, in like a state like Virginia, you can actually coordinate, right? So a super PAC can coordinate with different people in Virginia right. uh, on the non-federal side, which gives us the ability to do more. But in some states, we have to just be really smart and sort of look for things publicly to help guide us in terms of some of the decisions that we're going to make because we can't coordinate with people. I think it's sort of like a hybrid in terms of like what the approach is and what the thinking is. But, um, you know, we have not, uh, you know, we've been attacked for not spending enough points in a certain area on TV, despite the fact that what we spent on TV turned into, you know, a ton of money that we were able to raise to be able to put up different ads in other places on TV. And, and all of that, you know, kind of thinking outside the box and, and being counter to conventional wisdom and using the creativity and all the different things that you all bring um, to the table, I think, is sort of the, the non-secret recipe to, you know, the success of Midas Touch. And then obviously, you know, the incredible uh, grassroots supporters all throughout the country. And Adam, we mentioned earlier in the interview, as you're conducting this interview, you are out there on the streets knocking on doors right now to get out the vote. 
you know, what do you say to the Midas mighty out there and everyone listening to this podcast wondering, um, you know, as they look to 2022, you know, doom and gloom, if they can make a difference? I mean, I think obviously they've already, they've already made a difference. Right. And, and so the key is uh, one, let's continue to do things that everyone enjoys working on. I know some people like making calls and some people like texting and some, you know, like just putting a postcard in the mail, but we saw it in Georgia. They made a huge difference. Um, you know, not just with the ability to, to raise money and help all those, those organizers that were, you know, paid, uh, living wage and, and able to get PPE and all that kind of stuff. But the text messages that sent out or the, you know, the tweets that went out and so forth, it, it had a huge impact. And, and actually it was not only uh, uh, an incredible uh, outcome, but I think we didn't get a chance to actually stop and take that in because the next day there was an insurrection, right? We literally right. went from January 5th to yeah. January 6th. And then, um, you know, shortly after there was an inauguration and it, I think it took months for people to sort of get back into it, but they, they, the, their track record has already shown what they're able to do. And they've had a huge impact in Virginia as well. Adam Parkamenko, unless the brothers have any final questions, I will let you get back to knocking on doors. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank, thank you for all your support to Midas Touch. And what I said at the beginning of this interview, I truly mean there would be no Midas Touch today in its current form if there was no Adam Parkamenko helping guide us, everybody out there who's ever thinking about whether it's starting a pack or wanting to be a political strategist. Adam Parkamenko is the person that you all should talk to. Adam, thank you for joining the Midas Touch podcast. Thank you, guys. I want to talk about a few things. I want to talk about the oral arguments today um, regarding the SB8 Texas uh, bounty hunter, anti-child Ooh, we got bearing like a person. Mini legal AF going I'll on. Give a wow. little, okay, okay. I'll give us a little mini legal AF lesson. I mean, it's breaking news, so I definitely want to hit it. I want to talk about Joe Manchin's recent. Uh, press conference and again moving the goalposts just when you think there's a deal um, on build back better um, apparently we got Joe Manchin now moving the goalposts again and saying he needs more data and more information just admit Manchin that you're just not going to do that you're not going to do this bill can we bring up the clip from me from last episode Brett let me ask you guys this is it definitive Mansion and Cinema, will they both vote for this? And I know we'll say yes, because, you know, we talked about the big compromise that we all reached today, but every step of the way, they've hindered this process. They keep moving the goalposts. I sent you guys a meme earlier. It was, uh, it was the Charlie Brown kicking the football and the Charlie Brown was Democrats and the football was the Build Back Better and, and Lucy was Mansion and Cinema. <laughs> right, right, and, right. And, and I mean that because every time we think that we've made the progress, that we're going to pass it, it's going to get passed, they find something else. Yeah. So what Manchin is saying right now is I can't vote for this bill unless I know the true effect on the deficit. So that's his new way of moving the goalposts here. Um, I got it. But we, we, we're going we're going to go into the topic in a little more detail, though. So I'm giving the three things. Give the breakdown. Also, okay, go, 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 go. <laughs> and then I also want to talk about this uh, bizarre, but I guess nothing surprising tweets back and forth between Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates, each talking about blowing up metal detectors in the Capitol building, because that's really normal behavior from uh, uh, politicians who are, are supposed to carry the words honorable uh, before their name. But before getting into those three stories, I want to talk to you about Better Help. This podcast is brought to you by Better Help, H-E-L-P. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? We all have roadblocks and mental health is a serious issue no matter what you're doing. And sometimes we all need to have that pause where we can speak to true professionals um, to also kind of work on our mental health in addition to all the other work we try to put to make ourselves um, better. Better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. This is professional therapy done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. 
The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send messages to your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. That's one of the things that I really like about it is that I can do it privately and discreetly and not have to be in waiting rooms. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change their therapist if that's what you need. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website to read their testimonials. They're all great. Betterhelp.com slash reviews. One positive review after the other. And if you don't want to take it from them, take it from me. I use BetterHelp and this has been very helpful for me during these difficult and uncertain times when I need a quick break to speak with a healthy with a health professional. Visit betterhelp.com slash Midas. That's better H-E-L-P slash Midas and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer, Midas Touch podcast listeners, you will get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Midas. Again, go to betterhelp.com slash Midas. You know, we call these sponsorships, but we should really be calling them too in addition to sponsorships is I like that we're working with companies that like we use the stuff, yes. we use the product, we use the services. And I like that we can then give the Midas mighty great discounts so that totally. they don't have to pay the full amount. And that's what I love about all of our sponsors. Okay, I'll talk about SBA, Brett. I know you were itching to talk about Mansion. And then Jordy, we'll let you talk about Gates. How you got to break down, that, that, that sounds great. Break down what's going on with SB8 because I was seeing a lot of commentary this morning on some things that Amy Coney Barrett was saying, some things that Kavanaugh was saying. And it seems like the Supreme Court seems to be turning against the SB8 law, but you're the attorney, so break it down for us. So let's be clear that on the docket today, um, as we're recording this podcast and going live November 1, but whenever you're listening to this, this is the date that oral argument took place earlier uh, today. And the oral argument was not really on the substantive issue over SB8, so much as it was Ken the federal government basically start a case to stop the states from violating the constitution. So it's not really going into the merits on the constitutionality of Roe v. Wade and the precedent of Roe v. Wade. Um, Roe v. Wade and the right to an abortion is a constitutional right. It's not specifically stated in the Constitution, but Supreme Court precedent dating back to Roe v. Wade has found that right is enshrined in the Constitution. There have been other cases like Casey in the 90s and others that make this very clear. There's a case um, that's going to be taking place in the December um, docket right, right around the 1st of December, which will be dealing with a Mississippi law that would ban abortions after 15 weeks. And so there, the constitutionality of that law, the validity of that law substantively is going to be on trial. This, this is really based more on the procedural posture of can the federal government jump in and do what it's going to, you know, what it's doing here. And then also the specific mechanisms used by Texas here, which is to empower uh, private individuals to serve as bounty hunters, where private citizens, so of where private citizens who rat out other citizens for getting an abortion or aiding and abetting abortion that you would basically at a minimum get paid $10,000 if you successfully rat out your neighbor or rat out a medical facility. That's on the low end, $10,000. So that mechanism was what was on trial here. And I wouldn't say on trial, it was, was, there was an oral argument today about that. And so what happened today was a lot of the justices were very skeptical that states can basically do end run around the constitutions by trying to turn constitutional issues into like civil lawsuit, personal injury cases where private citizens can do the bidding 
of state governments. And here's what I think is going to happen based on what we've heard from a lot of the justices. The Texas law is going to get struck down. The Supreme Court's going to hold that the federal government does have the right to enforce the Constitution by filing a lawsuit uh, like they did in this case to stop the state law from taking place. But here's how you know it. It was Judge Kavanaugh's question um, to Texas, where he basically asked, well, couldn't you do the same thing when it came to gun ownership? Couldn't a state that wants to limit gun ownership do the same bounty law where you would empower a citizen to sue other citizens who are um, purchasing uh, AR-15s, who are purchasing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, certain types of weapons um, and certain types of, of handguns. And Texas had to concede that, yes, other states would be able to do that. So the way I suppose that you can convince the GQP to respect a woman's right to choose is by allowing men to have AR-15s. Yeah, that's basically what happened. And I am no fan of Brett Kavanaugh, but it's a brilliant point that he was making. And it's a point that I think the attorneys in the case are going to harp on and are going to to take advantage of here. Because but how think, fucked up is it, though? Like, we really break the it most down. in the world. Yeah, it, it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, shit, I, I, we I, can take away our guns. Maybe we need to protect the rights of, you know, maybe we can't do this to childbearing persons because you want to take away our guns. They didn't care about women and childbearing persons in the first instance. Screw exactly. them. But God forbid you yep. come after a man's, you know, you know, AR-15 or AK-47 or, you know, other uh, other weapon that, you know, is not used in a hunting setting. Oh, you're going to take that away. Oh, 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 we need to strike this law down. That's what's so hypocritical and I, about about all of these discussions. And I want to be clear what Kavanaugh said. He wasn't saying that being an ally. I think he was just pointing out the flaw in the bill. He, like he was, just, he he just let them know, hey, we you guys have to rewrite this in a He's different way. He's saying it as a as a justice who's trying to make a ruling on the law, um, and but through his conservative framing, which you know he doesn't want the conservative rights to be stripped away, which is mm-hmm. this gun ownership and this, you know, he doesn't want. California, for example, to be able to say, oh, if you're outraged over guns, then we give you the power. You could sue so-and-so if they have an AR-15 for 10. Once you start deputizing citizens in this way, it is so unprecedented and it is so supremely fucked up, for lack of a better legal term, that even Kavanaugh, even somebody like Kavanaugh knows how big of a slippery slope this is and how this argument could be used as precedent to strip away things that they care about much more than the rights of women which are AR15s. Right. I, I I couldn't say I couldn't say it better. So we want we'll do a deeper analysis on legal AF every um, live every Saturdays and then it launches shortly after we go live and drops on um, Sunday. But let's talk about Mansion. What's going on with Mansion? So Manchin came out today and he said that he will not vote on the Build Back Better bill unless he gets more clarity on the how how this bill will add to the deficit. So this is Manchin once again, as Jordy said, this is Lucy moving the football and the peanuts. This is him once again moving the goalposts here. I guess he's saying that he won't vote for this thing unless he gets some sort of CBO score, some some other sort of actual study that says the effects on the deficit. But this is just so disingenuous for Manchin. He's basically pinning this all on the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. And it's not even the progressive wing. It's everybody in the Democratic Party, except for him and cinema. And so Manchin is acting like he has been working in good faith all this time to try to find compromise. And obviously, he said today, obviously, compromise is not good enough for the rest of my colleagues. It is all or nothing. And he's demanding, he's saying, pass the infrastructure bill, the first infrastructure bill. And then we'll discuss, we'll figure out the, the how the second bill is going to affect the deficit. We'll do studies on it. We'll see everything. But we got to pass this one first. And what everybody else in the Democratic Party is saying and knows is that, listen, Manchin, 
we actually made an agreement months ago that we were going to pass these at the same time. And if we pass this infrastructure bill first and leave the rest of the Build Back Better agenda on the side burner, we've lost all of our leverage to pass it. That's all gone once the first bill is passed. And the negotiations, remember, this started at $3.5 trillion. Manchin's initial number was around $1.5 trillion. The final bill ended up at 1.75. Sounds like a compromise to me and sounds like something that was a compromise that leaned much more in Joe Manchin's direction than the rest of the party. So Joe Manchin is being completely disingenuous here. It is no surprise that he is blowing up this bill, um, but we need to keep the pressure on him, keep the heat on him. I think this was just disgusting behavior by Manchin and it is showing us why we need to continue to elect more Democrats and make this guy irrelevant. I don't know about you. I don't remember ever voting for Joe Manchin for president of the United States. None of us did, okay? None of us did. The fact that this guy is working so hard for billionaires and not for the people, not for the 300,000 people in West Virginia who are suffering from poverty, but the zero billionaires who live in West Virginia. He's fighting for them, putting their interests over the rest of his state. I just think it's disgusting and we need to it make is, this but guy I, irrelevant. But, but here's what we need to do. We have to, though, as Democrats, though, understand the process, though, here, unfortunately. Uh, totally. Um, and the fact that Joe Manchin is a Democrat, okay, allows the Democrats to have a majority when with the tiebreaker uh, of uh, Kamala Harris as VP in the Senate, allows us to have Chuck Schumer as a majority leader. And what that means, most importantly, is the ability to appoint diverse, normal judges. Okay, I can't stress enough. One of the things that Biden's done incredibly well has been to appoint a record-breaking number of federal judges um, to the district court, to the circuit courts. At the fastest rate of any president, by the way, in the past 50 years. And that is going to make such a huge difference. And so what do we do as Democrats? Well, we got to elect more Democrats. We can't rely on a West Virginia Democrat. You know, when cinema's up, cinema's going to lose. You know, I mean, she will. She's going to be primaried and she's going to lose in the Democratic primary. Um, but we need to elect more Democrats. We can't now be dis so disenchanted that we allow GQP to win and get zero of what we want. In fact, get negative of what we want. You know, sometimes I rather take six out of 10 of what I want than have six out of 10 that I have taken away from me, which is what the GQP, it's not even going to zero. Like you get a Trump, you get a GQP administration. They're not even these discussions of getting close. A GQP administration, it's so simple to be a GQP administration. All you gotta do is All do nothing. Do is Tax cuts for the billionaires and then do nothing, period. Create a bunch of mess, then blame the Dems. Anyway, Jordy, speaking of crazy GQP, tell us about what's going on with this Matt Gates, uh, Lauren Bobbert situation. Brothers, this was one of the strangest developments from the weekend. So Gates is at a GQP rally. Well, I guess it's not so strange if you're Matt Gates or Lauren Bobert. Uh, but Gates is at a, a GQP rally for this uh, political guy, Anthony uh, Sabatini. I think is how you pronounce his name. And, you know, crazy kudos, MAGA, Q, cra crazy nut. kudos to Patriot takes for unearthing this stuff, man, because I would never want to dig through the stuff that they dig through. And basically they found this video of Matt Gates talking about blowing up the metal detectors in Congress with Tannerite or C4. Brett, I think we have the clip. Can you play it? My friend Lauren Boebert from Colorado, yeah. She, yeah. she, they put in metal detectors on the floor of the house because it's like a five foot nothing woman she carries a firearm for her personal protection. So, oh, they got triggered by that. I said, man, we, is it is it Tannonite or C4 we want to put in those metal detectors when we blow them up and we take them to the party? Yeah. So that was Gates at this GQP crazy rally, met with applause, talking about blowing up these metal detectors in Congress. Uh, he then tweeted out, uh, if you can't fantasize about blowing up useless metal detectors with at Lauren Boebert, at a Florida Halloween political rally for Anthony Sabatini, when can you? To which Lauren Boebert then quote tweeted and said, 
I'll bring the Tannerite. You have these Congress people just talking about blowing up metal detectors in Congress. There's no other conclusion to reach in this instance. So obviously people are like, holy shit, they're just outwardly talking about blowing things up in Congress. Oh, this kind of feels like a January 6th. So I think Lauren Boebert started to see this on Twitter, and then she quickly had to issue a correction tweet, which was not a good correction tweet, by the way. She then says, to the fools who think this would be done inside the Capitol, get a life. The metal detectors are useless, and we are getting rid of them when Republicans take back the House. Fuck you, Lauren Boebert. You're a crazy person. One that's not a coherent tweet at all. What do you mean by to the fools who think this would be done inside the Capitol? You said that's what the conversation was about. What other conclusion is there to reach in this instance, you weirdo? I remember this is all because Lauren Boebert and her cohorts want to bring weapons onto the House floor. That's why they don't want metal detectors there. And I think the people who have been implicated in an insurrection, implicated in an attack on the Capitol, one of the most gruesome, one of the most horrifying attacks on American soil in our history. Personally, I don't think those people should be bringing <laughs> weapons onto the floor of the House or the Senate in the Capitol. That's just me. And I think joking about this, it's not a funny joke. It's not funny. People died, people lost their lives, people are injured, people's lives are forever changed due to the events of January 6th. And joking about blowing up a building or part of a building that was attacked on January 6th, I think is just, you're unfit to be a representative if that's what you're doing. And I think these threats do need to be taken seriously. I think these are dangerous people and they're representative of the Republican Party and all their beliefs. And I think we need to understand that that is really what's at stake here also with like, you know, when we were talking about Manchin, right? If you're going to back out of the Democratic Party because you're pissed at Manchin and you're going to blame his actions on the rest of Democrats, and then you're going to say, oh, because of Manchin, I'm not voting next year. I'm not voting. Guess what you're doing? You're giving power mm -hmm. to Lauren Boebert to take out metal detectors from the Capitol. You're giving power, you're giving the speaker's gavel to Kevin McCarthy or worse. That is who you are emboldening if you start sitting out elections because you are pissed off at this one asshole from West Virginia. And so that's why we need to continue to fight. That's why we need to do everything we can to make people like Manchin and Cinema irrelevant because our democracy is on the line. And that's why I also think it's so dangerous what Manchin is doing. I think he is playing with fire here because our democracy is at stake. And what he is doing to the electorate, I think is extremely harmful, but we're gonna have to overcome this. We just are. It's one of the hard parts about governing. One of the hard parts about governing, one of the hard parts about uh, being a constituent, about being an American voter. You know, you put your heart and soul into these elections and then your politicians sometimes let you down but when they let you down you can't give up when they let you down you have to work harder there's been a lot of great things accomplished already with your great effort there's been a lot of trump horrible authoritarian policies that have been overturned there have been a lot of great judges with diverse backgrounds who are appointed there's been a lot of great new executive orders implemented America, as we look at the G20, is respected again on the international stage. I don't and you don't wake up every single morning fearful of a Donald Trump nuclear assault on the country or him tweeting something. You know, I have worries, of course, about the trajectory of our country, but that daily Trump trauma, um, at least for me, the way it was in 2020 is, is, is not there on a day-to-day -day basis, but we have a lot more work to do. If you are listening to this when it's live, if you are listening to this while it is Tuesday, November 2nd, and there's still time, make sure you're doing anything and everything you can do in Virginia. Contact anyone from Virginia that you know. Just whatever you're doing, that's the most important thing you could be doing right now if you're listening to this podcast on November 1st, on November 2nd. As Adam said, Adam's out there knocking on doors, you know, himself. Do whatever you can do to support efforts. Check out the Midas Touch feed as we also provide ways 
that you can help out. Special shout out to everyone who showed their Midas Touch merch for that they got from the Midas Touch merch store. Jordy's wearing it now. We love when you share your Midas merch photos. We love to retweet it. Make sure you at Midas Touch when you post it or one of the brothers so we can see it. We get lots of tweets, so sometimes we miss it, but we usually get it and we usually can come back and find it. But if we see it, we will do our best to post you wearing Midas Touch merch and make sure to support our sponsors, Wild Alaskan and BetterHelp. It's with sponsors like that that we could keep the show going. So make sure you check out Wild Alaskan. Make sure you check out BetterHelp. And Please, if you see them on social media, give a special hello to Wild Alaskan or Betel Help on social media and let them know that you heard about them from the Midas Touch podcast. And of course, give this podcast a five-star review. Uh, Five-star reviews help with the algorithms, continue to push this into one of the most listened to political podcasts that there are, and make sure to share this podcast with friends, family, colleagues to keep this movement and momentum going. It's been such an honor and pleasure sharing this hour plus with you. We'll see you same time, same place later in the week. Wish you all the best and let's go Virginia. Wait, post credit scene real quick. So brothers, we have a movie coming out on Thursday. The supporters oh. movie. Yeah. So our movie drops this Thursday, everyone, the supporters That's the supporters Check it out. For those wondering, you know, I've had some people saying, where do we watch the movie? Where do we watch the movie? The answer is everywhere. Um, so you follow us on social media, you follow us on Twitter, you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you follow us on Facebook. It's going to be available on all those platforms. And additionally, when you go to our Midas Touch store, where you buy all of our merch at store.midastouch.com, we'll be giving you the option to download the movie Ooh. yourself, which is super cool. You literally will just download the file to your computer. You could then watch it on your computer, stream it to your TV, do whatever you want. But our whole thing is, hey, we got to get this movie out to our people. You know, we love everybody who supports us and let's just get, have as many people watch this thing as possible. And we think it's a, a hilarious movie with importance to it. And uh, we're, and we're excited to get it out. And then the last thing I want to say is subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're listening to this right now in the YouTube live, or if you listen to the podcast, Brett does such an incredible job stitching all these clips together. It really feels like a, a highly produced TV show. Um, we get a lot of compliments from the YouTube folks. So check us out on YouTube. It's Midas Touch on YouTube. Subscribe today. And we love you guys so much. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!